testing, 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 testing. And I hate to keep saying we used to have because, um, good morning, Heyman. Hi, morning. Because I'm old, you know, and I want to, um, and I want to apply this to people much younger than me because how I got the idea was that I was thinking about the guy, the shooter in the Chicago Highland Park shooting. And it's almost impossible not to understand that it's always the same guy. It's always a white male, um, you know, 18 to 21. And always after, after the initial thing, and the initial thing is always, We didn't see anything. He was just a normal person, maybe a little loner, but, you know, a normal person. Well, that is never, it's never true that people don't see anything. It's that people, is that we don't have any community in our communities and people see lots of things where they don't pick up signals. And this happens in business And in, I was going to say real life, but, you know, that's pretty funny. Business is more and more real life. And it's really all the same. The signals are all the same. Either we are really communicating or we're not communicating. And before we get into that topic, I want to remind you that this is the Karma Club brought to you by the Karma Coin. And the Karma Coin is a new form of philanthropy whereby you support me in supporting other artists. And in fact, you support other artists. And what I'm going to do is make an NFT explaining all of that and send it to you. And uh, if you are a Karma Coin holder, I'll send it to you in an airdrop sometime this week, depending on rally decide when when rally decides to publish it, but in the meantime, know that I am thinking about explaining things more fully to you, and I really want to. Um, now, I've invited Greg to come talk because Greg and I um, were co-hosts on a podcast uh, about web three, building web three businesses. And by holding this podcast for, oh, I don't know, how long? Six months, maybe? Or mm-hmm. you, you did yeah. it longer. What we found 
was that the essence of all of these Web3 businesses, after you strip out the, you know, the crypto scammers and the, um, the part that isn't important, you are left with, can you create a community around what you're building? And the principles of creating a community are the same in business and in life. And we have kind of lost our, our mojo on community. And what it's doing is making everybody very lonely. Now, interestingly enough, people on Clubhouse seem to be a little bit less lonely because they develop communities on Clubhouse. But why can't you have a community in your actual community? And why can't you uh, develop a community in your business, which is like a community of customers? And I just suggested to Greg that the first couple of uh, guests on the new podcast called The Community Economy uh, be the guy who was the original community builder for Reddit. And, and I know that that he's, he'd be a good guest because Reddit became a huge community awfully fast and then it went way out of control. And that is what is happening in many of the web free communities. If they grow, uh, they grow on Discord and they grow fast and get out of hand and they become toxic and then people leave them. Anyway, I, I hear what everyone thinks on this because... I'm no expert, but I'm feeling after the last weekend an enormous need for community in the world in general. I, this is Barbara. I agree, Dr. Francine, wholeheartedly. And as I mentioned to you earlier this morning, you know, we did a diagnostic during the pandemic last year, actually, um, with 82 focus groups asking what the challenges uh, men and women are experiencing. And one of the top ones was this isolation and uh but men and women said it differently women said just check here women said lack of emotional connection and men said loneliness and isolation so so that is there then also you said it's the same male that's doing these awful awful crimes um i say it's the underdeveloped brain male brain yeah that's right. I was going to say partly that's brain development, but yeah, but exactly. part of it is school. I mean, school yeah. doesn't notice stuff. Yes, yes. And that's why we're working with schools and with Pearson Education to really get it, get it, get that knowledge in there and being able to recognize these things. So, um, Johan Björklund, who I will absolutely invite into. Um, I should have invited him into this room, but anyway, I didn't get a chance to. He's de- his and his teams of neuroscientists are developing a app that can detect people's level of depression using social media. Like literally within sec, well, not seconds, but minutes. They can literally de- detect on a scale at what level, and they're piloting right now in Seattle, and uh, and then they'll be offering it for free in schools and so on. So I think we need things like that, but I but I wholeheartedly thing to have healthy healthy communities right and get away from what i call the willful blindness which actually margaret heffernan wrote a book called that willful blindness i think there's a sense of blindness to this and then all of a sudden we get in shock complete shock that this happened then we look back we say well no wonder it happened this this guy was totally alone um he was depressed he was anger issues all of that stuff right first so, he tried committing suicide and telling yes. people he wanted to commit suicide and yep. and basically that didn't work so yep. you know he basically called the cops to try to help him commit suicide but i don't know amy he's, you've been wanting to speak i can tell yeah no it's it's it i was clapping and then also wanting to share barbara hey barbara hey everyone it's a really very unique question that you're the conversation that you're talking about right now because it's super important. And I'm gonna kind of lead a bit of my perspective from somewhere completely off uh on the left field. Not silly, but some of us may remember. 
um, for myself, I went to 13 years of Catholic school. So I was raised in a community because I was raised um, basically going to parochial school. And even though I was bullied, I still had an outlet of uh, Franciscan brothers, nuns and sisters, and um, CCD, the community that you study the Bible and stuff like that on weekends. And one of the things that stuck in my head, which is something that I used to carry around with me and I hold it to my heart, is Corinthians 1.10, which is basically community teaches you to work through conflicts. And that is important to understand that when building a community, you have to recognize that we're not all perfect. And we literally have to be forgiving to the way people are. And community does require transparency, authenticity, and in some ways, Mm, this is going to sound like really crazy, but the confessional of oneself, you know what I'm saying? Like, we're not perfect, but when we wear these masks to demonstrate ourselves behind all these um, different personas, no one really knows who we are. And then in some ways, that's also why I I was thinking about what Barbara was saying about this app, and I'm thinking to myself, from a technological perspective, how could that actually tell someone, tell an app that someone's actually feeling that, because I know for a fact, I know people personally that go to therapy and mess with the psychiatrist and the psychologist, like they mess with them. Like they go in and they also like to play with the therapy session to make that therapist think that they're actually excelling at what they're doing when in reality, they're just completely manipulating the therapist. And I know that's an extreme example, but the same way someone could manipulate a conversation between the therapist in IRL, is the same way someone can manipulate the, the algorithm to make it assume that it isn't depressed or that it is depressed. And I think that's where it's going to be very, very interesting. I'm curious to see how that how that turns out. But in the essence of Web3, it's a very, very unique thing to create community because it does bring about a cause in the matter of not being selfish and actually being able to be selfless. And I know this because I've been creating community for 33 years because I'm a yoga teacher and a yoga therapist. And that's something I've been doing worldwide with strangers when I go to teach a festival. That is where I got my community from during the pandemic. You're absolutely Was your yoga studio, right? Was your yoga studio, right? Exactly. And that's where I kept... It went online, but it's still my studio. And and Dr. Francine, that is the best part because I kept about 30 students during the pandemic from literally losing their poop, you know what I'm saying? Like losing their shit, which basically meant I just pivoted and went online and I I went and taught everyone on Zoom. And they were like, oh, they were hesitating. And I was like, no, you need to still connect. And then after like the first or second session, they were like, oh my God, I feel so much better. And they kept on doing it. I taught 110 days straight every day on Zoom, every day, three times a day. My yoga teacher has been teaching for three years on Zoom, once or twice a day. That's every, awesome. Every single day. But but how do you bring that into your Web3 business, you know? Well, Dr. Franz, Francine, that's what I've been doing because I'm, I sat down next to a blockchain, uh, a, a chief operating officer who's female, who runs, a, who runs a blockchain, and I'm kind of got it on the wraps for a, a hot minute. But I, she sat me down and she's like, you need to sit down and do this grant application now. Because I told her what I do and what I'm, what I want to do around yoga, wellness and yoga therapy. And she sat me down and she's like, fill out this application now because I want to make sure you do it because I believe in your idea and I want you to sit there and fill it out because I was so like in my head, right? Oh, I'm not going to get it. It's stupid. It's like, no, sit, do it. <laughs> I listened to her and she was actually from Lebanon, really lovely woman. But the essence of creating community in Web3 is also demonstrating that authenticity. But the difference, Dr. Francine, and the example we could use is the yoga community. When the pandemic hit, hit, the yoga communities had already been in real life. You see that distinction? They they had already been engaging in real life, okay? And when Web3 came in, they were not engaging in real life. They started from social audio. And now what happened is the reverse engineering of it happened, Dr. Francine, that when people came into Web3, they came in by their voice. So people may hear my voice and your very strong voice, but I'm probably one of the most selfless people that anyone meets. 
because I'm I'm WYSIWYG. What you see is what you get. When you meet me in person, I'm no different, right? My voice is just deep, but at the end of the day, when people go through my yoga class, they're like, holy crap, what just happened? But it's also because there's a there's an ethereal connection when you do something with someone in person where you could touch, feel, or connect with them with their energy. And that's what yoga teachers do. If they could keep that up online, fantastic. So kudos to your yoga teacher. I love her already. But when it comes to Web3, it's a little bit tricky because Web3 is 95%, 90% men. And I have 50% men clients in the yoga school, but they don't engage the same way as the women. And that's where you really have to be discerning on how to get into their listening to be able to understand them. And the challenge is, is that they also just only know how to brag. I'm saying this word loosely. They only know how to brag and show off what they've done, like like uh, peacocking. You know, the word peacocking, that they have to show off what they've done. And in some ways, that's what I got really present in the Web3 community, is that people were just really just showing off what they were doing, or they were really um, very nervous about being vulnerable about what they're working on. There was like no in between, and in the old school, we used to call that dick waving. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's the same thing, Doctor Francine. I was just trying to be a little bit kind, but to make it long, a long story short, and to land my A three eighty, it really goes back to the fact that we came from a social, from an audio perspective, to a in IRL. So when people went to NFT NYC the first time, I had a lot of female artists from the Web3 space, and you know, Dr. Francine, because you've been floating around listening to a lot of these women as well. When they showed up in NFT NYC in New York City the first time, they were flabbergasted. They were flabbergasted. They were like, oh my God, I didn't think that person was going to act like that in IRL. They were very surprised in real life how the person was because they were not able to carry themselves as they carried themselves in the app. It's a bit like when a guy goes to meet a girl in a bar. You know, he's yeah. nervous. And that's the same dynamics that happened at NFT NYC last year. And it made some of the the engagements a bit toxic as a result of it because now you have these really beautiful or kind, really lovely women that are talented coming together with a lot of folks in the space that are men that that may not have, and I don't know how to say this well, Dr. Francine, but you know what I'm trying to say. I used to bartend and I used to see how people used to come in and how men and women used to act. But like the reality is, is that if you look at those that are gamers and those that spend their time behind a computer, I know many of them because I used to be one of them when I was younger. And no they social are not, skills. Exactly. They're socially yeah. awkward. There's no social skills. They don't yeah. know how to engage with a beautiful woman or a woman in general. And then it becomes an awkward situation and then they react. And they might not react uh, intentionally in a negative way, but they react. And then this is what has basically spiraled the faith, the culture, a bit into the toilet. Because now you have a lot of women that are like, I don't want to go into the space because it's toxic and it's disgusting. And we can't have that. Because now women are like, I don't want to be in here. But Dr. Francine, I was in an app group that Especially I now... since the men are all saying we're not getting enough sex. How come women don't talk to us? It's really, Yeah, but exactly. It's the same it's thing. Really, I want to I want to let Andrea speak for a minute. Sorry, and go ahead, Andrea. And, no then, and then I want to add something that Amy shared after. Yeah, Andrea. no worries. Thank you go for ahead. letting me speak. I can pass you, Barbara. I just had a couple of two quick, uh, or I can be quick. Um, one, I think the loneliness is absolutely at epidemic proportions, particularly in the in the U.S. I think globally and culturally, the isolation. It, Globally, I think isolation is actually cultural. When I lived in India, I, um, I, I, I do think it exists probably everywhere in different formats, uh, also depending on your familial circumstances. But when I lived there, I, you know, you have the op- I had the opposite issue, which was trying to eke out a moment to myself. So I think that, um, that it's also more about our, our culture, and it's in certain segments of our culture. Um, and But yes, the COVID dr- drove this epidemic. Um, and I just also don't feel that um, 
you know, I don't know. I've specifically put in the chat, I have not taken the time to learn more about this particular shooter. I, I, I'm at the point of actually... Don't bother. Take, don't I don't want to know. I, I, at the moment, I actually am... <laughs> I don't want to know more, but I do feel that this is not... Um, there is an issue for community and building relationships and keeping people healthier in our society. However, um, there's also very much other things afoot, like systemic racism and bullying white supremacy and autocratic um, yep. and so that's really at play as well and I think you know I think I don't know what sorts of investigations are going on behind the scenes about all of these random supposedly random shootings and what's going on I'll land my point well, there that's a whole I, I think we have a hot mic Greg oh sorry Greg? We have a hot mic. I, I just I know, think the I think only other comment, Dr. Francine, is that on, in, I think, online, for me personally, online community works when you can't get with other people. I think our online communities are sort of strengthened when we meet in real life and not just solely existing in the ether. But if that's the only way that certain people can get together, then, you know, I guess so be it. And I'm not an expert on any of that. There is a, a ton of research around um, how men and women deal with stress and conflict and ambiguity. And UCLA has, has done the largest piece of study on that. I don't know him and if you can find it. Uh, oh, but um, yeah, women, uh, when women are dealing with stress, they reach out. They reach out to their community. They call it tend and befriend. And when men deal with stress and conflict, they either take fight or flight. Right. Uh, so they either isolate completely or they act it out. Right. And so it's really important as we develop communities that we understand that. And back to what Amy's saying is that there's this generational thing of, you know, the dating game and all that stuff that is just hurting boys and young men um, so much because they meet uh, women through the social media. And then when they meet in person, it's like a complete shift or or dramatically so right and the women kind of opt out right because they haven't seen the the authentic person right it, whether it's through clubhouse or elsewhere right but uh, back to this tend to befriend and fight and flight i think it's a super important to understand that because then how do you develop community so that you can draw young men out and feel safe and get out of this stuckness of fight and flight and women go out and do tend and befriend. And that's why that you, about the yoga classes is a perfect example of seeing that, right? Of how women do that reach out. And I want to join your class too. I just back channel you just so you know, Amy. So, or you, Dr. Yeah, Barbara, I just wanted to acknowledge what you said about the yoga class because I did, I have noticed something. And first of all, I want to acknowledge Andrea because Andrea, you said something very valid. And isolation is something that also is slightly culturally culturally based as well, because Netherlands has a really horrible problem of isolation in Amsterdam because they're getting so many immigrants in and the culture is very, very exclusive and it's block, it, it's, um, it's a challenge to learn Dutch. I mean, I speak uh, three languages, but it's a challenge to learn Dutch because it's a different system and a different way to learn, right? And I'm also dyslexic slightly, so it makes it hard to learn language, but I digress. Andrea, the isolation being partially culturally based as well is important to understand because the southern cultures in Europe are a lot more gregarious, a lot more open, a lot more kind of nurturing to eat around the table uh, and discuss. Said, you said gregarious. I want to hear from gregarious. First of all, <laughs> he supports women very strongly. And second, I think he was awesome. at that NFT NYC. Greg? Gregar is, that, is, is that gregarious? Is it is gregarious is how you pronounce it. Is that gregarious? Oh, it is yes. gregarious. Hello, gregarious. And I'll, I, multitasking. I'll, hey. I'll finish it. I'll finish it very quickly. But I just wanted to acknowledge what Andrea said and acknowledge as well what Barbara said because the unique part about something I noticed in teaching yoga specifically, and I can use it as an example because I have been teaching for three decades, and I actually do get fifty percent men in my classes. I'm probably one of the only teachers in Amsterdam that has fifty percent men in my classes. And the reason I do, I have studied this. The reason I do is because I sit in the delicate space between, um, what's that word? I don't, I don't, um, I don't become their mother, but I don't, uh, and I don't make them feel stupid either by 
like if I'm in a, if there's a split class between women and men, I treat them as equals. And because I treat them all as equals, the woman may be more flexible and more poised in her posture, but I don't pay her enough. I don't pay her. I don't pay attention to that. I focus on making sure that he's understanding the posture and I don't give her much. I, I give everyone equal attention, but I don't make it, um, I don't make it that that student that knows how to do the posture really well and very flexible, I don't make that student sit into her ego. And I go to the male student and I make sure to, to understand that he's learning it properly. And as a Amy? result of that, it balances out. Amy? Yes, ma'am. <laughs> I'm going to do something that I've never heard done on Clubhouse before, but I'm going to do it. It's I'm going to put a moratorium on your speaking for a while because there are other people on stage who would really like to contribute. So I know you have a lot to say, and I know you know a lot, and I know you know a lot about the space, but I want to talk about communities in business and growing customer communities and a whole lot of other subjects as well as, you know, individual stuff and and my own, you know, my own personal thing. Okay, here comes Greg Sattel. I don't know if he's ever spoken in here before, but Killian, you talk first, okay? Actually, no, I'd, I'd rather not. I don't really have much to say about business. I'd, I'd be more interested in the the, the real-life part of it, and okay. I have more to say in that space. Okay, well, okay. Then I bet you Greg has something to say about communities in business. Oh, well, if I'm going to talk about business, I should have my business profile picture, and I have my dog walk profile picture. You Can know, I still talk about business? No, I, you can't. <laughs> Coda okay. is not a business dog. Go okay, on. well, I'm, I'm, I'm dry. I'll, I'll get my my profile picture changed as soon as I hit a traffic light. But I I do think that one of the best ways to build a business community on Clubhouse is to build a community on Clubhouse and then. For, it's it's a little harder to do now because you know Clubhouse isn't isn't doing so well. But back when you know six six months a year ago, when Clubhouse was much more effective on for business purposes, we used it sort of like tickets to a game. So it was a good business networking tool when we were bring, building bringing experts on, uh, but. Because we were bringing them on, we were bringing, we were providing value to them because we had built a community on Clubhouse. So that's how, how we did it. We used it to strengthen our relationships off of Clubhouse. And we found that to be effective. Okay, let me, let me point out the most important words in that are strengthen our relationships. Where this room started was in a gr group of people talking about the Highland Park shooter, or rather, why did I say a group of people? Me, talking about the Highland Park shooter and, um, and how if you, you know, if there were any community around him, they would have noticed his loneliness years ago, especially since he tried to commit suicide. And especially since he went to school and that's a, that's a community in which he should have been noticed at school, you know? So, so I'm feeling like our, our community muscles have gotten very weak and there's no way that that we can either save the world or develop effective web three businesses or uh, stop people from shooting other people if we don't figure out what we need to do to get our sense of community back. And the only way where I hear answers to that you know, on Clubhouse, but also other places, is religious people or, um, or you know, s sort of, um, I don't know how to put it, um, 
people who want to go back to 50 years ago, which at Luddites, which is obviously impossible. Anyway. We're all bowling alone, Dr. Francine. Yes, and that's really sad. That is so totally really sad because when that, you know, one of the reasons I'm always, I'm drawn to this topic is that I'm lonely and I'm the last person that most people would think of as being lonely. But I used to have a very high profile community presence and it totally disappeared um, during COVID. Well, actually what happened was the whole tech community in Phoenix disappeared during COVID because we couldn't have any live events and we were all on different platforms. And I think Ed started, you know, a Phoenix club on Clubhouse, but I don't think it ever took off. And so here I am three years into it and I look around me and I go out and there, the whole all the organizations that used to really support the tech community either no longer exist or um, have gone to completely virtual or actually I would say most of them just sort of died out because they couldn't support themselves. So David, did you ask to come up because you had something to say? Yeah, Dr. Francine, I, I, um, I, I, I wanted to concur with what you're uh, describing, and I, I look at it as ever since Columbine, which I grew up in Littleton, Colorado, funny enough, not that far from Columbine, but I was in college and I wrote a paper on seeing something. I, I, I picked a topic for my, my writing, for technical writing to be on biological terrorism, the asymmetry of hate, and where warfare goes when when um, you take the end result of this game theory. And there used to be something like sportsmanship and, and community and, and like how you compete, but at the end you shake hands. And I think a lot of what has happened as Web 2, Web 1, all of the, the last 20 years has gone by is there's been people who, are, who maybe they didn't get into sports betting or fantasy football to destroy it. But I, t I, I talk to younger people and they they don't have a team that, that describes where they're from, which becomes this conversation beats. Hey, where are you from? Oh, what team do you root for? Well, what do you like here? So I've lived in Texas for the last 25 years, but I'm still a Bronco fan because when I grew up, I that was the only game in town was before the Rockies and so forth. And so it was part of my identity to have that. But that's not what sports is anymore. It's either gambling or fantasy sports which has basically been allowed to commercialize people's interests into maybe in their local area, they'll go to a pub with their buddies and do a draft every year. So that's some kind of community, but it's, it's cheapened the sense of what people used to do when they cheered for a team or it, it had a, a lighter form of tribalism where I could at least talk, talk smack about the Cowboys and the Broncos and then go about my day. But, it never got things all that elevated, but now it's everybody's got their special interests and, and it, it serves as a good analogy for what's happened to communities. Cause I've been playing beach volleyball for 20 years. I played competitively indoor after a head injury um, where I was in a coma for eight days and I had to describe, I just had to pretend like that didn't happen. And I was who I thought I was before. And I went overachieved athletically and, and academically and maybe nuclear program and so forth. But I, I travel the world and I, I learn about where I'm from by leaving where I'm at. That's not a normal male or American behavior. But I think. No, but it really works. It really works. It, it's important to introspect. And I think that MA did talk about that confessional and part of getting out of yourself and empathy and what's lacking in, in, in what transmits community the best and that desire to have other people know what, not know what you know because you're showing off, but that's the humility that you're going to transfer that knowledge. That comes through parenthood, like life events. I was a financial advisor for 10 years. So I got to see 
in my mid twenties to my mid thirties, what, what the outcome of people's, I, I didn't know it, but I was doing a reverse correlation of the data into people's lack of humility and their desire to build a castle for themselves and, and put a trust in place for this and it, assert control through money to other people. And I got, I got out of that business because it wasn't me anymore. I couldn't express who I was without pissing off people. No, no I really didn't piss anybody off, but I just, they, they were trying to put the, um, hang on, I'm going to reconnect my Tesla Bluetooth. Are you guys there? Yep. Yep. Anyway, um, I might be in the matrix. No, I think you have, no, you're not in the matrix. Okay. Sorry. Um, but I'm worried about well, you in I, that I, Tesla. <laughs> no, it drives itself. I'm not moving fast. Bullshit. Um, Hands on the wheel, buddy. I'm a mother. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm a, I'm a father of twins as I spoke about yesterday in tech news. Um, and, and that's the thing is that like, there's a little bit of solipsism in modern media simplification where it has to be a commercial. You have to, you can't be stream of consciousness. You can't connect too many ideas or you have ADD and that's not true. It's just that people don't have the patience to listen anymore to, to a diverse idea. And that's kind of dumbing us all down. Okay. Killian, you're next. Hey, thanks. Um, I wanted to point out a, a statistic to make a point. Um, I'm, there's a quote there from Hobbes that I think is pretty famous, so it won't surprise anyone, I don't think. And that's what we used to think about simpler societies, right? That they were just a horrid place to live and exist. Life is nasty, brutish, and short. Is that yep, the one? that's the one. And we used to believe that, and it used to be very, very commonplace. And we're learning uh, that that's really just not how things were. Um, and what you do find in these kinds of societies actually is that, for example, you would, if, if, it, if that were true, you'd expect suicide and, and things like that, uh, mental illness to be rife in simpler societies, right? But they aren't, they're rife in our society. So in fact, in, in intact communities, uh, suicide is virtually non-existent. Mental health seems to be pretty much almost non-existent. And so why? And so we're all talking about, well, you know, maybe this can fix it, this can fix it, or this is the problem, or that's the problem. And I'm positing very, very simply, and then I'm going to drop my mic and let it just kind of, you know, percolate for a bit. The problem might be that we're just living in an entirely different, the wrong kind of society, period. And one quick illustration of this is there is a really beautiful um, observation by by a, an anthropologist who was visiting a, a a group of people in, in New Guinea, and uh, she just for some reason decided to count how many times she saw a baby interacted with in an hour. And what she, or they, I should say they, I don't remember as a male or female, uh, what they they found was that on average, like the, the uh, young child or baby was interacted with physically by 11 different people within a single hour and interacted with um, in total, by 21, 22 people in a single hour. And I doubt if any of us has ever known a child that had that much <laughs> interaction with them in, in any part of the modern world, you know, even even in the most touchy ones. Uh, I doubt that would be, be true. Um, so that's just uh, some thoughts to, to percolate on a little bit there. Thanks. Thank you. I'm still percolating on David's idea about sports because – I remember that, you know, I, I, that's what guys did. They either played sports or they watched sports, but they had a community of their own, you know, and, and we didn't have all these issues. I can tell you in Philadelphia, people are still crazy about the Eagles and don't wear your Dallas Cowboys jersey here. <laughs> What a contribution, <laughs> Shane. <laughs> I thought it was Shane. That's interesting. Um, so we've seen there's three sides of the real estate side of Clubhouse. One is investor, one is agent and professionals, the other is big real estate. Um, and 
it's interesting because it's a transactional business, right? So it's easy for people to want to connect, build a network, want to build a Rolodex through this this uh, app, and and that that kind of falls suit naturally. The investor side um, struggles with some people over promoting and over pitching and so on and so forth. Um, I straddle all three sides. I'm very interested in marketing trends. A lot of our stage stages are geared towards that or towards investing, but um, we've definitely seen kind of the big real estate side drop off, um, but more of them are coming back. But in the other two spaces, we're actually growing on Clubhouse. And I think part of the key there is bringing people, like the title of the room says, off the app. I've probably had about 25, 30 people that I've sent invitations to out in the last uh, 60 days. And only three of them I knew uh, before. I ran into them into an investor uh, meetup group, or I ran into them in the airport, or I, I have a flight attendant that actually I brought onto the app that's actually doing a lot of stuff in our in our rooms. And um, so I think that's it. You'd have to integrate that. Now, what's interesting, Dr. Francine, is for you, I would tell you that you definitely need to put Tim Regan um, on your radar. Uh, he's at the center of all things real estate in Phoenix, but he does a lot of cool stuff there. So he's, Oh, I he's know all- him. Yeah. Yeah, I've, so, I've met him. Yeah. Well, when I was flown down to Arizona to help somebody, um, immediately I probably met about four to five people from Clubhouse in Arizona. Uh, three of those were real estate oriented. One of them was not. They were just another entrepreneur business owner that we had met in another space. So um, we've been trying to do that too lately. Um, there haven't been a lot of people on the app from Denver. Uh, we did 5280 entrepreneurs. We've had a couple get get togethers with people that have come in from out of town and then other people that we've met from the app uh, because Colorado doesn't have quite the presence on the app that uh uh, you know, a lot of other uh, parts of the country do. So trying to make something local, you know, I go back and forth between Denver and Grand Rapids and it's been a little more challenging, but yet I'll stop in other parts of the country and like, they'll be like, oh, Shane's in town and like, you know, four or five different people will show up just randomly for lunch last minute because there's so much presence. So LA and geography. New York. It's and, always yeah. LA Georgia, and New York. Georgia has a ton. Atlanta, Florida has a ton. Right. Right. Georgia and Florida have a ton. Chicago has a ton. I know the places where I've been able to meet a lot of people. And, you know, I went down to Miami to meet Jam and David, and I picked that weekend because Alfredo Chang and John Charles were both going to be there. So I really wanted to meet some of the people from AMA um, that some of us know cross over into the news, news, news hallway. So I think you just have to put effort into it. And I do think that, guys, it's our second summer coming out of Corona. So I think that come fall and winter, we're going to see more and more people coming back to the app. We've actually been tracking our numbers uh, with Diarcom data and so on and so forth through different stages. And it's actually been coming back uh, little by little. But it, it didn't surprise us that things dropped off for summer. Oh, that's very good information. Um, Guta, good morning. Okay. Morning, everybody. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Dr. Francine. I'm, I can't believe I'm having a day like today. <laughs> anyway, I made it here and I'm glad I made because uh, it's always nice to be part of this community and, uh, you know, collaborate and listen to you guys. And uh, know that... Uh, we are a good bunch and we have each other's back and look for moving forward always better. So I hope uh, this room continues to be like that and the community continues to come here and that we can make a little difference even if it's inside what we have here. Right. It's we are the karma community. Um, Dr. Roshan, Roshanak, I'm sorry. I can, I'm very I sorry. I, Roshanak. Roshanak. And we also have Bonita as well. Well, I would like to hear from Dr. Roshanak. Okay. Can you hear me? Uh, now we can. It was a slow start. No, actually, not anymore. No. All right. You're in, the ma- you're in the matrix, honey. Okay. Dr. Bonita? Can you hear me? This is Bonita. Loud and clear. Yes, we can hear you. Well, there are two things that I that have really struck me uh, that I've experienced recently. One was uh, 
um, a dialogue that I had with other faculty members at our university where we're looking at how to have uh, our students have greater meaning in their lives and in their work, along with the skills and um, capabilities of inventiveness. I'm at Santa Clara University in the engineering school, uh, although my specialty is gender and engineering. Um, I'm not the engineer, but what a conversation yesterday was informing us about Generation Z. And uh, again, not to say that this is absolute. Um, I don't want to stereotype or, or make it absolute, but to be informed with that, that many of our students think that they, they can just learn and they say it. They'll say that I can learn this on, on um, YouTube. And uh, to be able to make the distinction between uh, a skill and actually understanding and engaging with evil, with others, uh, especially for um, the capacity to be able to think, I mean, to, to invent. Um, I thought it was really interesting to, to recognize that the uh, media of today has drawn uh, young people away from engaging with each other. Um, especially at this high, higher levels of education. And that the second thing that I thought was really interesting um, on an NPR program yesterday, talking about the uh, degree to which, well, and, and it was specifically about the shooter, uh, the degree to which our media uh, has, well, young people have been engaged in the, in the media in a way that, uh, no longer separates reality from um, the created reality in media. And uh, I think that there's, there's a relationship with these two things, I'm not sure, but that um, to, to recognize this incredible, um, the impact of media and how we need to make sure that engagement is present. And this clubhouse obviously offers that. Um, even though we're not in person. I will say, even for me, being in person with these other faculty members for the first time, and there were only, there were about 20 of us, it was ambrosia, it was heaven. It was so incredible being in person um, and engaging with each other. Of course, we were well, all- Well, how do we get these young guys to spend more time with each other in person? See, we, we're women. And Barbara told us about that. Women reach and what is it, Barbara, that you said? Tend and befriend. Tend and befriend. Right. Yeah. Well, I would say, I would, you know, my strategy is always uh, show them the carrot, not the stick. Um, and my immediate response is that uh, collaboration and inventiveness uh, it, uh, to be actually invent is what's available in, in engagement with others. I mean, that at least of course in the engineering school, but you know, to be able to create solutions the the MIT, um, research on collective intelligence showing that we can, con we can, um, have much better solutions for complex problem solving when we have a diverse, team, of course, when there are a lot of women is an important part too. Um, but that engagement with others uh, gives us something that isolation, just learning skills does not give us. And uh, that's why, of course, our conversation was about tapping into what, what really, what do people, what do students want, what do young people want really? What do they want? What meaning do they want in their lives for their lives? What difference do they want to make? And um, and that is a conversation that, you know, it merits having. And but then you can connect that these are the, the way to do this is not just through watching YouTube channels um, and right. working together. So I'm going to and, and of course, for me, it's understanding the differences, too, and valuing the relational competencies that. That, okay. Um, yeah. I, I just have to stop 
you because we have three people on stage who haven't spoken. Okay. And we've, we've reached the witching hour for me, which is 10 till because I like to end my rooms on the hour. And I want to hear from um, Tina. Hi, Dr. Francine and everybody. It's really nice to be here. Uh, it's a late evening in Finland, in Scandinavia. Uh, I'm listening carefully, and uh, I would add something uh, which is uh, very important because there are a lot of surveys in Scandinavia where also Barbara came comes from Denmark. So Finland, Sweden, and Denmark are together. We always, uh, you know, uh, we. Uh, believe high democracy and uh, Finland, for example, it's the fifth time on the row um, uh, as the happiest country in the world. And there's an index which uh, tells you uh, where the survey uh, was made. Uh, so what is it? It's uh, first of all, uh, uh, people in Scandinavia on Finland even we have, of course, the same problem what you guys have in 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 uh, big uh, countries as the United States. Uh, polarization, um, not uh, feel part of the society, far right movements, and so on. But there are a few things what I would like to add here uh, about building community. It's helping others. Finns uh, statistically are helping others more than uh, even other uh, Scandinavian countries means that helping others uh, without asking any, any benefit. Uh, the second thing uh, is uh, we, uh, and Barbara knows that, we have very strong uh, educational uh, program. However, uh, government is, of course, uh, putting less money uh, for education, but still uh, we have a free education and, and uh, there's something different from other countries is always, uh, you know, engaging uh, uh, students uh, uh, to the other uh, um, groups and individuals, uh, also teachers and uh, uh, diversity to having schools where you uh, are equal with others, but still you have different uh, um, genders, different nationalities, and uh, different people from different scale of society. So uh, those are uh, two things what I wanted to add here is, of course, education, how uh, uh, children uh, uh, are adapting uh, their uh, schools and how they are taking care of. And of course, second thing uh, is uh, the communities and families and people in general. Uh, what you do, uh, it's not only you work for yourself, but you work for your community and you have a... Ah, uh, 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 yes, that's, that was my, you know... Yes, that's my... what I want to say. Yeah. You have a goal together, you know, and it's not like uh, being richer than your neighbor or having, uh, you know, a uh, newer car or most beautiful uh, family. It's uh, building your community. And that's what we've been doing uh, for, uh, I mean, historically uh, after war. So uh, simple things makes you happy. And I think uh, that's something what I wanted to add here. Yeah, like sitting in a cabin on a patio in Pine, Arizona, having a clubhouse room with a great conversation. Dr. Roshanak, are you out of the matrix? I think I am. Does it sound like I am? You are. Yes. Uh, you're good. Yep. Thank you. Yeah, I reached out a few things. Um, so great conversation. A lot of points from, from everybody's been up on the stage, and I know that you need to close out in a few minutes. Yeah, so but I, we're going to do this again because there seems to be more discussion to be had. But go on. Thank you. Okay. So just talking about creating community on and off Clubhouse, which is the title of the room. Um, I have a very engaged community. Somebody had done the statistics on it some months ago without my knowledge or my asking. Turns out I have something like 92 to 94% engagement of my community on Clubhouse. And I think that comes from, and, and I see quite a few people in this room who do engage in that community 
uh, and with whom I engage. And I think that it comes to something that uh, Tina was just saying, if I pronounced her name correctly, I hope. Um, and that is, if you are truly engaging with each other. So we have the clubhouse conversations that I try to keep up. And people come in and we talk about whatever comes to mind and the whole community engages. They all speak to each other about what the topic is. It's a safe space. Everyone's really honest. They say things they wouldn't say. There are no replays. And we move forward. Even if the moving forward means you've been heard, you've been seen. And with what Bonita was saying about how it was ambrosia to meet in person, well, of course, when you look into each other's eyes, you you release oxytocin. We need that, amongst other things. We receive reward. Uh, love, un, uh, contrary to the popular belief of whatever anybody thinks love is, is actually something that we need for neurodevelopment, something that Barbara sort of referred to earlier, and um, and is just as essential to our existence as food and air and water and shelter and all that. So when we, and this has been shown with mortality rates and in infants and first world countries and so on and so forth. So we know from the time that we're born through the time that we pass away, you look at the Harvard Adult Development Study, that these good, stable connections with others, these good relationships are the most essential single factor for having a healthy, happy and successful life. People do well when they're engaged. So the question that you asked earlier was, how do we keep each other engaged? How do we bring the young people in? Well, habit is huge because it's typically subcortical where the impulse areas lie. And when you have not been taught, I mean, all kids are uncomfortable. I certainly remember being uncomfortable, even answering the phone in my parents' house uh, in a different language, because I was like, am I good enough to be able to be who I'm supposed to be? And so if you're not slowly but surely brought into that, if you don't have peers who say, yeah, we're also uncomfortable and you can share that, it's that shared, as, as was mentioned just now, it's that shared sense of what's going on. And the word together actually has people in workplaces work better together because it connects to that part of the brain that is responsible for us recognizing our agency in context of other and that is either collaborative or competitive but it's in comparison and so when you say together it is collaborative and now i have a vested interest in you and and your welfare because it's connected to mine so in every way shape and form when we're talking about community being authentic being genuine of course that physical contact even if it's a zoom we don't get that on this app we just get the voice connection and still it's pretty good but I've met a lot of people off the app. Um, and I think it comes down to really being authentically yourself and present for each other. And so you allow for that engagement to occur. And you're conscious of where another comes from. You have to meet people where they are, as opposed to that sort of narcissistic, egocentric, this is what I have, this is what I'm teaching, this is where I'm coming from, this is my point of view. And then nobody actually connects. Thank you, Uncle. Uh Oh, thank you, doctor. And the cool thing is that that's why I do these rooms. I do these rooms to, because in my years and years of teaching and being in business, um, I've outgrown the need to count the number of people and I count by quality, you know, and I, I, as, so, as long as people are willing to come to these rooms and participate, I'm, I'm going to continue having them. Shane, what happened to you? Shane? He's in the audience. Oh, I just I moved myself to the audience uh, for the sake of saving time. Oh, for goodness sake, we're not on a minute-to-minute -minute schedule, just a kind of schedule. If you have something you'd like to oh. contribute, well, please I mean, contribute. Yeah, I can I can do what I'm probably best at, which is just being uh, short-winded and to the point. Um, and that is, one, I first remember when the Karma Coin dropped. Uh, so that is kind of cool. Uh, but the other thing is, when I first came on to Clubhouse, I came on with a cohort of like maybe 18 friends at the same time. It's very interesting to see how we all like diversified our primary interests. 
And so even though we came onto the app together, we didn't stay together on the app, but we were able to find uh, more topic-specific friends or uh, groups uh, within the app, which has led to making more friends outside of the app. And I feel like one of the really cool things is like there's this little feedback mechanism uh, where Clubhouse can kind of bring people in, connect them, but then also you can find reverberations of uh, special topics that you can't necessarily vibe with in your usual uh, group of friends. Thank you. What a great fitting finish. Unless Gregarious, who's been sitting in the room faithfully. With- <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone. Sorry. Uh, fixing lunch for the my son. Um, this has been a great conversation, and I, I feel like it, there's so many areas for it to go into. <laughs> I know. Um, what should we go into next week? Because we're going in, <laughs> we're going in on this same conversation again. I, so, I have a feeling it's fundamental to everything. Yeah. And, and, and if, if I had a thought or a suggestion, it would probably just be, I think, like, um, like Francine, the thing you identified is sort of like really just like how do we turn like online – you know, interaction into sort of like deeper connection, let's call it, not necessarily real world um, in my mind, right? And I think like, Eek, we lost him. Yeah, we dropped him. Eek, where did he go? Oh my God. Let's reintroduce him um, next week. How is that? And we'll kick it off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> same place, same time. We continue. And I also want to just say, I met Francine in person, and it oh, was totally an absolute delight. And you it all should do absolute, more. It was an absolute delight. Yeah. Sorry. Was, don't know what happened there. <laughs> I, thought, I thought it was little Papa, maybe. Go on. Yeah, no. So I was just saying that I think there's two things that, uh, there's a few things that I've seen worked really well. And I remember it was a clubhouse room I was in um, maybe last year where someone said, like, one of the things that reasons that people become part of communities is, like, to have a better sense of belonging to something, like, bigger than themselves um, or something like that. And so I think, like, that is, like, one reason why, like, IRL things um, are really powerful, right? Because, like, it, they help people feel like they do belong to something, like, and then it as it manifests into like uh, real life experiences. I think that that's a wonderful thing for a lot of people to realize. Um, another thing though, and an angle that you know, I'm a big fan of is I actually think like giving people work to do um, or activities or tasks um, actually is a really strong tactic for getting communities to bridge kind of out. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean like off into the real world. It just means out of whatever the, the initial tool might be. Right. So, um, you know, you look like political. You mean like read this deck? Sometimes, but I think like, you know, if you look at like, like activism tends to get people to activate by doing things, right? Like they don't, um, they don't just talk about what they're going to do, but you know, they, they then plan things and execute things. And, and I think that that, that creates a lot more surface area for people to, again, feel like they belong to something, uh, but also to give them purpose. And I think like, you know, I think like just from a framework point of view, like in relative to this very large discussion, it's like, what are the things that motivate people to want to go beyond, you know, this little circle? And if we find or can, uh, can categorize or name or identify a bunch of those things, I think that all of those would be interesting discussions um, about like how to move forward. Well, we're going to move forward next week. Thank you, Greg. We're going to move forward next week. And I love you all for coming this week. And I, I would like to talk to um, Greg's wife, who is also a friend of mine, because she is an activist and a community manager. And she was one of the earliest members of Moms Demand Action, which was the anti, a big anti-gun group. And I, I'm curious to see how she and that group are feeling after, let's see, I forget when she joined it, but it's got to be two, three years ago. It might have been right after you moved to Denver, Greg. Anyway, I, I'm going to reach out to um, Madam Gregarious, who is actually Maria Hug, 
and I will let you, um, I'll let you all go now and tell you once again, and Amy, I'm sorry to cut you off. I didn't mean for you never to speak again. Your insights were very valuable, but um, I was trying to see where else we could go. So know that I love you. And I love all of you because you give me your time every week, and it's my way of um, doing something for other people. And I'm grateful that you allow me to run this room and that you actually show up. And I'm going to close it in, um, let's see, first I have to find where they have now put the button for uh, for closing the room because... The top right three they, buttons and at the bottom. There it is. Okay. Thank you. Take care all. See you Bye-bye. next week.